Welcome to another edition of Park Talk Podcast, the official podcast of the Naperville Park District. Hi, everyone. I'm Sue Omenson. This is our second episode focusing on the DuPage River, which is so important to Naperville and many other communities. The Park District is only one part of a larger regional effort to restore and protect the river. Today, I'm happy to welcome Jennifer Hammer, who is on staff at the Conservation Foundation and has been involved in watershed management for more than 20 years. Glad to talk with you today, Jennifer. Thank you, Sue. I'm excited to be here. So would you start by giving us a brief overview of what kind of work is going on um, to protect the DuPage and its tributaries in our area? Sure. The Conservation Foundation has been working to protect and improve water quality in the DuPage River, um, Salt Creek, and the Fox River in the region uh, for, for over 30 years. Wow. And starting back uh, in the late 1990s, uh, we were working with volunteers to do river cleanups, which continued uh, through today, um, as well as doing some citizen monitoring through the, uh, the original River Watch program. Uh, so we've been engaging with people for a, a long time. And more recently, over the past 15 years or so, uh, we've been working with uh, some of the local watershed groups in the region, um, three of them particularly in providing uh, professional staffing uh, mm -hmm. and support staffing to the DuPage River Salt Creek Work Group, the Lower DuPage River Watershed Coalition, and the Lower Displains Watershed Group. The exciting thing about these groups is they're really focused on collecting water quality data and using that information uh, to help guide management activities uh, in the region. So they're out there collecting water quality, uh, so chemistry, water chemistry, uh, fish, bugs, habitat information, and then using all that information to help to prioritize, design, and fund large-scale uh, stream restoration projects. Um, and so this has been uh, a great way to take kind of local ownership of our water quality issues and figuring out the best ways. Uh, and, you know, we're using or these groups. They're made up of municipalities and park districts and forest preserve districts. Uh, so the funds that they have, they're public dollars. And so we're really looking for how can we best put those public dollars to use and get the most mm -hmm. uh, benefit out of, out of those funds. Um, and we've also worked a lot with them to uh, do education and outreach materials uh, so they can communicate with their residents uh, so that everybody really can be involved in in making and keeping our rivers clean. Um, and the city of Naperville and Naperville Park District have been longtime members of both the DuPage River Salt Creek Work Group and the Lower DuPage River Watershed Coalition. Uh, so it's exciting here to talk with you, Sue, because we've been working on these things for a long time. Yes, that's that's great. Thank you. Um, I was I was going to ask how all this um, biological testing and research is funded. Is it partially through grants as well as um, um, maybe due, member dues? Yeah, or? it's mostly through member dues. And so okay. um, through the municipalities, uh, there are wastewater operations and stormwater operations. Uh, they all have an impact on water quality and they have uh, permits through the Illinois EPA. So we've been working a lot with the Illinois EPA and other environmental organizations uh, to, to really kind of shift the paradigm on how we look at water quality, particularly, particularly in urban waterways. Okay. Um, what did you mean by shifting the paradigm? Like what was mm -hmm. it like before and what is it like now? 
Sure. So, I mean, rather than just looking at individual pollutants by pollutants, and so how much of this chemical is in the water versus okay. that chemical. Okay. Um, and, and that's how a lot of our permits are set up. So you can only discharge, you know, so much ammonia or so much uh, chloride or whatever, you know, whatever the pollutant is. So their permits are set up kind of with, with numerical limits. Um, okay. And so when we look at everything individually, it's really hard to um, make sure that we're addressing the most important problems first. And mm. so the shift that we've really made through these, well, and it's not us, but the watershed groups have made, is doing these large-scale water quality monitoring programs, collecting a lot of data so that we can track what the problems are, identify what the most important stressors are to aquatic life, develop mm. projects to address those stressors, and then continue to collect data so that we know that we're actually making progress. Okay. So how have you seen um, the river improve over the past, like, 15 years? Yeah. Um, and so that's been the other exciting thing with the data that we've been collecting. We've been able to compare it to uh, data that the, the, the state uh, EPA and, and Department of Natural Resources has collected since the 80s and be able to compare the data we've collected more recently and actually see changes uh, in the number of fish species and macrovertebrates hmm. that we have. Um, so we're definitely seeing improvements, which is awesome, um, but also really seeing where the, like we're able to kind of narrow in to see where those improvements are. Uh, so we're, we're seeing a lot of good stuff coming in after restoration projects. So not only the projects that the watershed groups have been focusing on, mm -hmm. uh, but also in all the places where the forest preserve districts and park districts have been doing um, whether stream restoration or just that riparian area restoration. Mm -hmm. So that land along uh, the streams and that we're managing the native vegetation and uh, creating a lot of habitat. So projects like what you guys did at Pioneer Park several years ago, right. uh, you know, really getting in there, removing invasive species, and reintroducing uh, native plants along that corridor. Because uh, a lot of our aquatic insects, really it's just a phase of their life cycle to be in the water, but okay. their adult phase is up out of the water. So I think one uh. of the best examples are uh, dragonflies. So we see uh. dragonflies you know, flying all over the place, uh, but they start as you know, their eggs are laid in the water and they could spend anywhere from months to years living in the water, and then they hatch out into, um, you know, into the air. And so if there isn't good habitat near the mm -hmm. water, they're, you know, they're not going to be attracted there to lay their eggs. Uh, so having that healthy riparian area is really important to having a good aquatic bug community. And those aquatic insects feed fish, and, right. um, and a lot of them provide other uh, services in the water, breaking down um, organic material and doing all kinds of interesting things under the water. Uh, but having those healthy riparian areas is really important as well. And then, of course, um, the water quality, uh, how, how does that affect fish? Sure. Um, there's so many different pollutants, like you were saying, but then things like oxygen and, and other factors too. Right. So water quality is kind of interesting because we usually think about it as just, you know, what the, the chemicals are in the water. Uh, but water quality really is the combination of three things, the chemical factors, the biological factors, and then, and then the physical factors in the okay. water. So the chemical being, you know, how much, uh, of how much or how little of a particular pollutant is, is in the water. 
Um, and that's probably, like I said, the thing that most people associate with uh, when we say water quality. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we measure things like dissolved oxygen, which isn't a pollutant, but it is a key thing uh, that fish and bugs need. So it's, you know, it's the just the dissolved uh, form of oxygen that fish breathe through their gills, right. uh, just like we breathe uh, the oxygen in the air. And so having the right amount of oxygen in the water is really important. Uh, we also measure things like suspended solids. So like the things that make the water cloudy, mm-hmm. um, the, the sediment in that as sediment, it sp- yeah. spins up in the water. Uh, and that's important because fish like smallmouth bass, they need to see their food. And so if the water's really cloudy, they can't find their food so easily. Um, and we measure chlorides, um, which mostly come from road salt. Mm-hmm. And those have a big impact on, uh, on the early stages of the fish and insects. So particularly in the spring, which although we're not putting salt down now, all that mm-hmm. salt that we put on during the winter right. um, is still washing through storm sewers or you know along roadsides and that. And so they continue to have an impact um, well into the summer. And then uh, nutrients is a, a big one that, that people um, probably hear about. And mm-hmm. so the, the nutrients that come off of our landscape uh, that feed, feed the algae right. um, and, and aquatic plant growth just like they feed our lawns. Uh, so those are things on the chemistry side that, you know, some of the things that we measure for. Um, and then on the biological side, we look at fish and we look at bugs. Uh, so, again, the different uh, different types of fish that we have, and we look at, at that whole spectrum. So we have fish that eat um, plants or detritus, and then you have fish that eat insects and fish that eat other fish. And mm. want, uh, all those different types of species Okay. Um, of, across the board uh, as part of your um, community of fish. And then the insects, and the same thing with the insects. You have insects that, that break down plant material, and you have insects that feed on other insects uh, or tadpoles or things like that, um, and, and have a whole variety of, of different insects because uh, then you feed more fish. Uh, so that is an important component of, of the water quality. And then, um, but, you know, just the, the amount of, uh, different chemicals in the water doesn't tell the whole story. That physical aspect is really just as important. You know, just like people and, and animals on the land need homes, um, mm-hmm. our fish and bugs need homes. So we could have perfectly clean drinking water uh, in our streams, but if it's all just like a flat concrete bottom um, mm-hmm. and there's no structure, we're not providing homes for the fish and bugs. And so you're not going to have good fish and bugs, even though your water might be really clean. And so it's really kind of finding the balance between all three of these pieces. And so the, the structure in the stream, so, you know, do you have areas where there's riffles? So those areas mm. where the rocks are and the water's going over the rocks and kind of uh, it moves faster and stirs up the water and you get a little bit higher oxygen in those areas. Or deep pools so that uh, in the winter or uh, summer when it's really hot out that there's places for the fish to, to go and uh, kind of get out of those elements and um, you know, are there, what kind of how much shade do we have, or how much does the stream kind of curve back and forth versus just being a straight shot? And so all of those pieces are looked at uh, as as uh, habitat components, mm-hmm. and so we're able to look at all of these components together to really uh, determine what the health is of, of the stream in different places. And then where it's not doing so well, uh, we're able to kind of pick through that data and figure out why. And then as we're designing, we use that data as we design restoration projects. Do you give us an example of a project 
uh, that really made a difference um, or something that encouraged you in you know, all these years that you've been doing this? I guess probably one of the biggest ones is dam removal projects. Mm. And so across our region over the last 10 or so years, um, and these have been huge for water quality in our region. Uh, dams fragment our streams, they block fish passage, uh, they also degrade water quality because they the water gets warmer behind dams because it's sitting there kind of ponded mm -hmm. um, and so there, it can't hold as much dissolved oxygen in the water. Uh, sediment drops out so you're covering up habitat. Uh, so there's a lot of impacts uh, with dams and so being able to see these dams come out and so we have data from before the dams were taken out and data after the dams were taken out and actually being able to see fish move up not just up past the dam but for many miles upstream oh, wow. uh, to different parts of the river where they you know those fish species haven't been seen in many many years so those oh. projects have been incredibly exciting so what do you see as challenges to the continued health of the dupage river i think stormwater is probably one of our biggest challenges both mm -hmm. the amount of stormwater as well as the quality of the stormwater um, you know as development has occurred across our region and you know we're still infilling in uh, you know open pockets and expanding uh, as we get sort of out to the edges of the suburbs and that development kind of covers up the land and doesn't allow water to soak in and so I think we really just need to keep looking for ways that we can infiltrate stormwater into the ground um, mm -hmm. and whether that's both through our development practices but also um, you know as homeowners mm -hmm. uh, you know looking for different ways that we can infiltrate stormwater so we're not you know the storm Downspouts mm -hmm. aren't directed like onto your driveway um, and going straight into the storm sewer, you know, getting them to soak into your lawn or putting in a rain garden or rain barrels to collect that water and use it later. And so really to look for ways to use uh, rainwater as a resource instead of sending it mm -hmm. down the drain like a waste product. So I think that's one of the things because that the amount of stormwater that gets to our streams, um, it causes them to be really flashy. So just like the rain we had um, in the last couple of days, and mm -hmm. you know, both the East and West Branch uh, DuPage River came up. I know East Branch was out of its banks down by 75th Street, uh, and then that water goes down really quickly. So it causes a lot of erosion, a lot of stress on our right. aquatic life, as well as all the pollutants that are carried you know, off of our, our streets and, and parking lots uh, that go right to, to the river. Uh, so I think stormwater is probably one of our biggest issues. And that is something that homeowners and others can help with, as you mentioned. I wanted to let our listeners know that more ideas about how to manage stormwater are posted on our episode webpage at NaperviллeParks.org podcasts. It was really good to hear today, Jennifer, more about the biology that's going on in the river and how to keep it at its best um, and how every little bit that we do together can really make a difference. Thank you, Sue. It has been great partnering with the Park District for so many years. Thank you for listening. The Naperville Park District's mission is to provide park and recreation experiences that promote healthy lives, healthy minds, and a healthy community. Park Talk Podcast is a production of the Naperville Park District.